Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to the last of three special episodes of the Scottish Business Network podcast in partnership with the UK government's Department of Business and Trade and in particular its international markets team for Latin America and the Caribbean. Now, here's a question for you. Did you know that one of the most popular dishes in Brazil is sushi? And that is a consequence of another fact that may or may not surprise you in that Brazil is home to 1.5 million people of Japanese descent, one of the biggest Japanese communities outside Japan itself. Stay with me because that is a particularly interesting fact for the Scottish seafood industry and in particular salmon producers because there is a huge opportunity to sell high quality Scottish salmon to the sushi chefs of Brazil. That's exactly why, as part of the government's seafood exports package, the Department of Business and Trade, in collaboration with DEFRA and Seafood Scotland, recently brought some of Brazil's most influential sushi chefs over to Scotland to demonstrate what is on offer. This initiative was led by Isabel McTaggart, Deputy Director for Scotland at the UK government's Department of Business and Trade, and she explains all in this episode. If you would like to find out more about trade opportunities in Brazil or elsewhere in Latin America and the Caribbean, you can simply email the International Markets team at exportsupport.latac at fcdo.gov.uk or, as Isabel mentions in this episode, dbtscotland at businessandtrade.gov.uk. UK. And you can also find those contact addresses in the show notes. And do listen to the two other episodes in this series. You'll find them by searching for either Spencer Mahoney, our man in Mexico, or Robin Sampson, Trading Spaces in Colombia. Isabel, great to have you on the podcast. Uh, where are you speaking to us from today? Today I'm speaking to you from Glasgow. Um, DBT in Scotland's head office is in Edinburgh, um, but I'm uh, speaking to you from Glasgow today where I live. Now, I've been having a little snoop uh, on LinkedIn to see see what you've done in the past. And you've got a really interesting background. I mean, very varied. I mean, from what I could see, you've worked as a solicitor in China. You've worked for the BBC and then returned later as joint lead for uh, BBC Alba. You've worked in the whiskey industry. Uh, and now you're Deputy Director for the Department of Business and Trade in, in Scotland. Could you just tell us a little bit about how that, that career path developed? Uh, it was probably not a linear route. Uh, probably uh, some listeners and yourself may, may uh, sympathise with that or, or uh, relate to that. Um, so uh, my first degree was in Chinese with Japanese. I've always been interested in the kind of international perspective and that working as a solicitor for Clifford Chance in London and Shanghai was an opportunity really to um, use that la- those language skills and also try to understand about um, a international growth and internationalisation. I uh, was then uh, subsequently joined the BBC uh, initially in news. Um, most uh, recently, I headed up a small BBC channel, BBC Alapa, and I was um, responsible there not just for the content budget and content strategy, but also about the internationalisation of the supply sector. So I worked very closely with around 15 different companies across Scotland, um, and the, the investment decisions we were taking um, underpinned about 300 jobs across Scotland. 
uh, with these companies, often in very fragile, um, economically fragile communities. And we were able to leverage in additional resource in addition to the public funding for the channel through these internationalization initiatives with those companies. So that involved a lot of international co-production um, and uh, those kind of partnerships. So that kind of joined those dots, if you like, that international aspect with the creative industries um, in Scotland. And then I'm originally from the island of Isla. Uh, which is famous for its Scotch whiskies. I worked for one of those. I headed up Bumore Distilleries site in Isla. And um, that uh, too gave me a real insight to come from a very small Hebridean island in the west coast of Scotland. And yet wherever you go in the world, you would see its product in every single duty free um, was really quite a, a powerful message about uh, what what is possible um, about internationalising and in export in particular. So the combination of skills I, I have when the role came up for DBT in Scotland, it, it was it combined, I think, that interest with economic interest in growing uh, companies from Scotland and, and supporting their, their growth, uh, plus that internationalised uh, or international kind of dimension to my career to date. So I'm very happy to be where I am. So I'm Deputy Director for Department of Business and Trade in Scotland on the trade and industry uh, side of that department and uh, have a very wide span um, within the remit of the role. Um, it covers uh, the, the things that Scotland's famous for now so food and drink. So, for example, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that uh, today. Uh, other things that Scotland is increasingly famous for, so green energy um, and financial uh, and business services, but also a uh, hugely interesting areas around tech. So agri-tech, for example, uh, but also fintech, AI. Edinburgh University is one of the biggest AI research centres in, in Europe. So there's a, a huge range um, uh, and a very exciting role, so I'm happy to, happy to be here. So thank you. Great. Well, I can, I can see how the the background you've had sort of feeds really well into the role that you're doing now. You mentioned we're going to talk about uh, Scottish food and drink. You mentioned whiskey. Um, I'm intrigued by this this project, this mission that that you've been and the team have been working on, which is uh, all about Scottish salmon and how Brazilian. Sushi chefs are apparently falling in love with it. So can you tell us a bit about this opportunity? In it? So the, the particular mission uh, that we, we wanted to talk about was one um, that it was the brainchild of colleagues uh, within DBT in Brazil, in Scotland and in London, working alongside colleagues in DEFRA and an organisation an organization called Seafood Scotland to really bring the best um, of, of what Scotland has to offer into one particular market, into into the the Brazilian market and I'll talk a little bit about that but in terms of, of Scotland's seafood offered it's really quite um, extraordinary in terms of um, uh, so Scotland lands uh, over 60 different species and these include farmed salmon but shellfish as well and whitefish uh, so there's a huge uh, advantage to Scotland's geography in terms of its cold waters so uh, that's um, where we get the the um, ability to land all these different fish which are top species for export include salmon like you mentioned mackerel langoustine but also brown crab and lobster so really high-end uh, seafood that is um, hugely um, powerful as, as an export product 
and um, we combined, so I was talking about colleagues, so together with colleagues um, in DEFRA and DBT and Seafood Scotland, we uh, generated this idea of a mission where we're going to take um, uh, chefs, Brazilian chefs, um, over to Scotland for them to uh, get to understand a little bit about what Scotland had to offer, uh, the particular quality of the product, but also, um, uh, and this is a really powerful part of what the UK's export offer is, is, is that traceability. So the product, the, the quality standards are, are rigorous um, and that is a, a really a huge advantage uh, in terms of being able to give that kind of reassurance to consumers across the globe. So this was a trip that specialised in uh, what we had to offer to that particular segment to these uh, Brazilian chefs. So what particularly made you decide to do this, take on this mission this year? So I think in terms of this year, uh, in, in 2022, the UK government, uh, a package of support in terms of boosting seaport exports and promoting um, high quality produce uh, overseas. And so that, that was partly to um, take advantage of that package of support that was available. So growing overseas markets, ex exploiting new export opportunities. Um, and that was the um, kind of basis of the of the mission. So we wanted to identify new overseas buyers, connect them with uh, UK seafood companies and it really strengthen the, what is already a strong position, but really there's room, there's more room for growth. So that was uh, the the a catalyst, if you like, for this particular trip. And how, how would you describe the appeal of the Brazilian market for, for Scottish and, and UK companies? So Brazil is, is one of, of uh, several markets that are being that are being targeted as we try to uh, promote our seafood seafood exports across the globe. I think one of the key things, and I mentioned this earlier, Scotland has a particular advantage and, and the UK is an advantage in terms of its cold waters. So these species like salmon, uh, cod, haddock, mackerel, uh, they are, we have an ability to export these to countries which are reliant on imports. And one of these countries that is reliant on imports because of its geography, because of its um, uh, climate is, is Brazil. So although Brazil has a very extensive coastline and has all its rivers, its, it's uh, water temperatures are such that it can't, um, they can't uh, produce these kind of fish. So we, um, we see Brazil as, as a key market in terms of uh, growing exports for that, those species. Now, in sort of preparing for this, one of the things that I didn't realise is that um, Brazil is, is home to the largest Japanese community outside of Japan. So this obviously ties in very much with this, the, the sushi thing. So what, what, can you tell us a bit more about this particular opportunity in terms of the, the sushi market and salmon? That's right. So uh, we were targeting Brazilian chefs, but in particular sushi chefs. And uh, Jap Japanese culture uh, is a hugely important part of, of Brazilian uh, life. The history goes back uh, a long way. And um, for example, I think there's around 2 million um, people uh, of Japanese origin and their descendants living in Brazil. So it's a really significant proportion of the, of the population. In addition you know, to that cultural element, sushi restaurants in particular um, are a, a huge part of the um, restaurant business uh, in Brazil. So in Sao Paulo, there are around about 500 Japanese restaurants 
and uh, five of which have Michelin stars. So it's a really important part of um, the the restaurant experience in Brazil. So and therefore a very important segment for us to try and target. Um, so so the the sushi chefs that we um, brought to Scotland, they're very very particular. So you can imagine that the quality in terms of fresh sushi making is is a really really a important part of their approach to business and um so we targeted uh, these um uh, these chefs and, and in terms of how the japanese culture is manifested in in brazil if in in terms of sao paulo for example uh, you'll find communities uh, where you see the the japanese characters written the architecture reflects um that of the um that, that of japan so it's very oriental if you like looking um and uh, the the gastronomic experience is one that's celebrated and recognized uh, globally so these were the it was this community this very particular segment that we wanted to target and in terms of the chefs they're very well known within that community so you had um just to go through some of the the names you had regis sasaki who has a, a restaurant called japa boy sao paulo uh, marcelo shira uh, Shiraishi, I'm trying to get my Japanese right, uh, from a, a restaurant called uh, Restaurant Aizomo, Aizome. Um, and then we had Luis Hirata, who is um, a partner in Tata Sushi, uh, owner of uh, Restaurant Kamikami, and that, they're both in Sao Paulo. And then finally, Chris Mori, who uh, was um, who was formerly in charge of a sushi bar called Emporio Santa Maria, um, later uh, opened up other restaurants and then most recently as a restaurant called Tabete. So the, the, these were a very specific uh, group of um, sushi chefs, uh, influencers, if you like, within their own uh, sphere. And uh, so it was very important uh, to try and engage with them and try and um, impress upon them the, the attributes around uh, Scottish seafood and, and what was possible in terms of exporting. So when you, when you brought them over to Scotland, what did you show them? So we you couldn't come to Scotland without visiting a distillery. So they came to our Bicky distillery in uh, near Montrose in the northeast and they took part in a cooking demonstration there. So that involved whiskey uh, from the area, uh, but also gins as well. And I think uh, uh, as, as somebody who's got a single malt background, I think that whiskey in general has a real, um, a, a, it can be very additive and complementary to a, for chefs for the way they undertake their work, both in terms of cooking, but also in terms of the raw um, the raw uh, product and um, it, historically, for example, uh, I've seen beautiful um, West Coast oysters taken with a single malt uh, whiskey, uh, Isla ones normally, um, but I'm sure other products are available and uh, that, for example, where it's been matured in a sherry cask, then that can really uh, bring out the real lovely, lovely complexity of flavours that you get in oysters. And um, so they're very complementary. So that kind of um, that kind of experience just opens up opportunities for these chefs to think about 
right, I could do this with this type of whiskey from Scotland or I could do that with this gin. Um, so that, that's how we started the visit. And then uh, they were at uh, Peterhead Fish Market. So Peterhead is in the very northeast of Scotland, just north of Aberdeen. It's one of the biggest fish markets in Europe. It's an absolutely incredible experience. And they met Peter Duncan, uh, the head of fishing at uh, Peterhead Port Authority, but also Donna, Donna Fortice from Seafood Scotland. And as I said, Seafood Scotland was one of the key partners in organising this mission. So uh, they were able to see then the not the scale of uh, what is possible in terms of Scotland, uh, in terms of the, the kind of wholesale imp- uh, production into Scotland. But also, I think one of the key things was the kind of traceability and the quality standards that underpin um, the whole of the industry across the UK. And I think that was really important. So the after they were in Peterhead, they then they went to Denham Seafoods. Uh, so that's a processing factory where, again, you can see the real standards around uh, the, the kind of efficiency, but also just the, the, the very, very high quality and care that's taken around the processing of the fish. Um, I think that's an, 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 a very important attribute um, that is you have to see, I think, as a producer to understand. And then they came to the West Coast. I'm from the West Coast. And... Um, they met uh, Caledonian oysters and they went to Backafrost, uh, Scotland, salmon farm in Loch Fine. Uh, and then uh, finally they went to Edinburgh, they came to Edinburgh and went to a, a really famous uh, sushi restaurant in Edinburgh, Edinburgh called Harajuku Kitchen. And they did a cooking demonstration with the chefs there. And uh, there were fantastic images of that, which uh, I hope listeners uh, can, can see. Uh, so they had a, a really immersive experience seeing both the scale of what's possible um, in Scotland, but also the pristine environment in which that is all delivered. And what was their feedback? What did they think? I, I They had a great time. Uh, I met them at the Harajuku restaurant and um, uh, they were having a really good time. They really enjoyed it. And I think that the combination of those two points around um, the the standards and the rigour of the quality um controls and the quality uh, systems that underpin the processing were uh, were really reassuring and comforting to them. But the combination of that plus that kind of pristine environment in which all of this is produced, I think was really quite a compelling offer. Um, so they could see that they, you know, the, the fish is tracked. They can see that that, that is the, the full traceability side of things. Um, so I think they were, uh, they enjoyed it. Uh, very much. And will there be any sort of follow-up activity now that the, the chefs have returned to Brazil? So um, I'm, I'm glad that it, since since that mission, um, there have been uh, 27 different establishments, 19 different companies, uh, UK companies registered with the Brazilian Ministry of Agriculture post that visit. And that's from UK companies registering to export to Brazil. Uh, and to um, uh, get their products into the market. So we're really delighted to support that and um, to see the kind of power of that kind of visit. So not just directly from those that are on the visit, but also uh, there was a lot of really supportive social media around that visit. So I think what it shows, and we know this in in terms of other um, uh, companies, uh, we know the power of peer-to-peer 
uh, exports. So where, where companies see uh, uh, UK companies interacting with this kind of opportunity, then it enables them to think, um, you know, to, to think this is also something for them. And we would really encourage those listening to this that, uh, you know, when we see that kind of success and the ease with which they've been registered with the um, the Brazilian Ministry of Agriculture to uh, to process their export um, ambitions, we're here to support that. To my colleagues in in Brazil and in London and ourselves, here to support that kind of thing. So I think the kind of content that was um, shared around this visit was really helpful and persuasive too, of persuading them how 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 to how to export and it's possible. So if anybody's listening to this this podcast and would, would like to explore opportunities, not just in Brazil, but in Latin America, in the Caribbean, what, what should they do next? So um, there's an email, uh, which I think is really useful, um, which is export support. That's all one word, export support dot LATAC, L-A-T-A-C at F-C-D-O dot gov dot UK. Uh, alternatively, you can uh, get in contact with um, ourselves at DBT Scotland at businessandtrade.gov.uk. Thanks very much. And we'll put those uh, email addresses in the show notes as well, so you can get them there too. Isabel McTaggart, thank you very much. Really interesting to, to hear about what uh, what's going on. Thank you. And it was a great pleasure to uh, talk about this visit. Um, and it was lovely to be able to show uh, the Brazilian chefs uh, exactly what Scotland has to offer. So we were proud to do that. Thanks very much to Isabel. And thank you for listening. If you haven't heard them already, there are two previous episodes in this three-part series bringing together the Scottish Business Network and the Department of Business and Trade. You can find those other episodes by searching for Scottish Business Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the usual platforms and looking for the episodes that are called Our Man in Mexico and Trading Spaces in Colombia. You can find that information in the show notes too, plus the email addresses that Isabel referenced. Bye for now. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.